Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. We are in no position to be able to defend ourselves in any way whatsoever. Ireland is defenseless. Every time that it happens, we have to talk about how the good men feel. Help us. Without G backing us, putting it on the air and telling the people how important it is, then it wouldn't have gone anywhere. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818-969696. Extra WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. See? See? It pays to listen to the Opinion Line. So it does. And it pays to listen closely and carefully every day to the opinion line. Marie Lynch, where did she qualify? <laughs> Here last Wednesday. So well done to Marie. She's off to see him at Parc Cuivre on the 29th, which is Friday, and then in Paris at the end of July. She nearly got a weakness when the lads rang her this morning. We're delighted for her. Delighted. And she qualified last Wednesday on the opinion line. So... See, it, it does pay to listen. 0818 96 96 96. And stay tuned for the next big way to win with Cork's 96 FM. But it's uh, that's a happy note in which to start. But we're going to open the programme this morning by talking about something that might be uh, upsetting for some people because some of the evidence that will come over the next couple of weeks in this trial will be very very upsetting indeed. Opening statements were heard yesterday in the trial of Karen Harrington. She has an address at Lakelands Crescent in Mahan. She's 38 and she's accused of the murder of two-year-old Santina Cawley at an apartment in the city uh, on the 5th of July 2019. This trial is going to last for about four weeks and the jury were sworn in yesterday uh, to hear the evidence. And what's in the papers this morning and what's covered in the radio news this morning is the opening statement of the prosecuting counsel, Sean Gillan. 96FM's Maureen Tuig was in court yesterday. Maureen, this is going to be a very distressing case to listen to. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Absolutely. You're right there. Yeah. So I was there for the opening of the trial yesterday. And as you said, uh, at Cork uh, uh, Central Criminal Court sitting in Cork, uh, prosecuting barrister Sean Galan, he he addressed jurors and he told jurors, you know, of evidence, as you, you said there, PJ, that will be presented throughout the trial. 
Um, well, he said that a post-mortem on the body of Santina Coley, just two years of age, found that she had injuries all over her body. Uh, he said that the state will introduce evidence from neighbours who were concerned at the sound of a loud disturbance in the defendant's apartment, which is at number 26 Elderwood Park on Boring Manor Road at around 4am on the 5th of July 2019. He said that one neighbour, uh, Mr Dylan Olney, said that he heard the sound of the defendant screaming and then a child crying and other neighbours had heard the sound of a door slamming as well as shouting and roaring. And uh, Mr Gallant said that Mr Olney became concerned because he could hear a child screaming and the accused shouting, taunting, mocking and terrorising the child. So he rang the guardie just after 4.30am. So I suppose he, he went back to the, the evening before, which would have been the 4th of July 2019. And he told jurors that Karen Harrington had been socialising with Santina's father, Michael Cawley, with whom he was in a she was in a relationship with. So he, he said Mr. Cawley and Karen Harrington, who had Santina with them, were socialising throughout that evening with others. And Mr. Gallant said that Karen Harrington and her friend Martina Higgins, they were consuming alcohol near the Atlantic Pond. Uh, they all arrived back at the apartment complex at Elderwood and they went to the home of Miss Higgins and a dispute arose over Mr. Cawley wanting to allow his cousin to stay at the property. Miss Harrington went back to her apartment at 1.25am. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Gallant told jurors another dispute arose at 3am on July 5th. So this would be from the evening of July 4th into the, the early hours of July 5th when Miss Higgins' partner, Eric Okanala, requested that everyone be go home uh, given the late hour. And Mr. Gallant said that evidence will be there that Mr. Cawley left at around 3am, went to Miss Harrington's apartment with Santina where he put her on a duvet and returned to the apartment of Miss Higgins where they had been to get his phone but he was told there to return the next day um he said that evidence of mr Cawley walking into cork city center and he said his movements were caught by various cctv cameras and at around 5 a.m that mr Cawley returned to the apartment complex and discovered the body of santina lying naked and unresponsive on a duvet he woke karen harrington who was lying on a nearby couch to ask her what had happened he said, Mr. Gallant said that the child had visible bruising to her face and head. Mr. Gallant told jurors that evidence will be entered to show that the defendant then left the apartment complex. Yeah. He said Gardi arrived and Santina received emergency medical treatment at the scene before being rushed to Cork University Hospital where she was pronounced dead. Um, and Mr. Justice Michael McGrath is, is the judge involved here. He was told that this case is likely to be adhering for up to four weeks with the potential uh, to enter a fifth week. So I've mentioned Mr. Galan there, Brendan Grehan, senior counsel, is counsel for the defence. And um, Mr. Justice McGrath was told yesterday on the opening day of the trial that it could involve more than 100 witnesses and, you know, Gardaí residents of the area involved relatives of both uh, the deceased and the defendant as well as medical and forensic experts and as you mentioned earlier jury sworn in it's uh, five women seven men mm-hmm. um, at the central criminal court sitting in Cork on the opening day of the trial yesterday it's expected to resume this morning from 11am. Alright Maureen Tuig 96 FM news reporter and of course Karen Harrington uh, pleading not guilty to the murder 
of Santina Colley. Maureen, thank you very much. We'll catch up with you at various points during the trial over the next couple of weeks. That opening statement, of course, not actually evidence, merely a summary of the evidence that the state will bring over the next couple of weeks. Uh, thanks for that, Maureen. Something else that happened in the courts yesterday it was in Waterford. Um, when we covered this at the time, you'll remember the horrible death of Timmy Howrahan, 53-year-old chef uh, who was living in a tented village of the Mardyke Walk and he was kicked and beaten to death in the early hours of October 13th, uh, 2019. Now, yesterday, uh, James Brady of Shannon Lawn Mayfield, who was convicted of manslaughter, he pleaded not guilty to the murder of Mr. Horahan at his trial, his trial, and he was then convicted of his manslaughter unanimously after a four-week trial that happened a month or so ago. He was sentenced yesterday by Judge Deirdre Murphy to 11 years in jail for the manslaughter of, of Timmy. He initially got 13 years. That was the sentence that Judge Murphy gave, was 13 years Initially, she said that she was not persuaded to take anything off of that because the evidence was there that he'd repeatedly kicked uh, Timmy. Uh, she wasn't inclined to apply any discount on the 13-year term. She spoke of the brutal and savage assault fueled by alcohol and drugs. But then... Uh, she also heard that the defendant, uh, who is now, is now classed as an enhanced prisoner. I don't know what that means. It's in the, the newspapers today. He's now classed as an enhanced prisoner. And having heard that, she then knocked two years off the 13, suspending the last two years and handing down a sentence of 11 years against James Brady. There was a victim impact statement. This was previously from... Uh, Mr. Howerhan's son, Elliot. Elliot said he would be forever haunted by the horror of his father's killing. He said there were no winners, only losers in the case. And his only hope now was that the family could get some justice for his father. Well, one would hope that this morning he feels as if justice has been served. He had been hoping in some way that he could turn Timmy's life round and move him back out of homelessness but sadly that's never to be now also there was a victim impact statement from Timmy's brother Dennis and he said uh, that his life se- his life sentence began the night his brother was killed and the time he had to identify his brother's body so that's the summary of the sentence um, manslaughter can carry up to life but it's very rarely, very rarely anyone is ever jailed for life for manslaughter. 7 to 14 would be the usual. So, he got 13. Uh, Initially, the judge wasn't going to suspend any of that. But then hearing that he was an enhanced prisoner, I've got a definition of that. Thank you, Fergal. I'll tell you in a second. She knocked off two years. They're suspended. So, 11 years and the way the prison system works and the way the justice system works, he'll probably do, and this was my estimation last night, he'll probably do about seven or eight years for the manslaughter of, of Timmy. Enhanced level is for a prisoner who exceeds standard level by abiding by the behaviour principles and demonstrating the required types of behaviour.
Thanks for that. 0818 96 96 96. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Sharing Fever is taking over Cork. We're throwing the biggest pre-parties on Side before you head to end. Join Cork's 96FM on the boardwalk at Tequila Jacks each day from 4 as we bring the vibe for Ed Sharon live. and Simon Murdoch on the decks alongside the Quartz 96 FM Street Fleet. With freebies up for grabs. Freebies up for grabs. Tequila Jacks, the only place to be in Cork City before you head to Ed. Thursday and Friday from 4pm. You don't want to miss this. Cork's 96 FM. Kate says, look, it's the same story. Another day, another reason to reduce a sentence. This enhanced prisoner is the latest. Yeah. You get a quarter. If you behave yourself in jail, you get a quarter anyway off of everything. So if you get 10 years, you do seven and a half. But this enhanced prisoner status, I've not heard of it before. Um, We got the definition of it. But he's sentenced to 13, dropped to 11 with two suspended. I would suggest he'll probably do seven to eight. Thank you, Kate. 0818969696. Now, problems continue at the passport office, especially, especially with first passports. The, the renewals, particularly online, are tickety-boo by all accounts. But the new passports for a young kid or a new passport for an adult who's never had one before, but particularly for very small kids, is desperately slow. Uh, Stephanie, when did you put all the paperwork into the passport office? Good morning. Hiya, um, I sent the passport application documents in online on the 5th of March okay. and they were received but the passports actually not due until the 11th of May and right. we're flying out next Wednesday on the 4th of May. Mm. Okay. And how long were you told it might take when you put in the online application? Uh, it, it just told us that it could take up to 35 working days. 30, is seven weeks. Yeah, which I didn't think it would because I remember when I sent off my first daughter and my sons, they were back after about four weeks, but that was going back geez, seven years ago. I know, I know. And there's no sign of the passport come. And it's it's her first passport. How old is she? It's her. First, she's only five months old. Okay. okay. Which which I thought wouldn't have been as bad, seeing as she's a baby. So I thought it would have been her a lot quicker. They're they're the slowest, unfortunately. What we've been hearing for the last couple of months, at least, is they're the very slowest. Passports yeah, like I've, I've tried, I've tried ringing Cork, I've tried ringing Dublin, none of them will answer. They, yeah. they don't have a second phone line or anything to get through on an emergency. I know. I went online, I emailed, and I was put through to um, the passport office in London. In London. In London, and they um, emailed me back stating that they don't do anything that I have to wait for the chat to pop up green online. Why, on, why on earth would you be put through to London? I'm just curious. I don't know. When I went on to the passport website, the email on that was um, Passport London. So I said I'd email that to try anything. Mm. And they got back to me said that Ireland doesn't have a passport email address that I have to wait for one of the chats to pop up. Crikey. Which I did, but 
there's like you're, you're waiting all day and it's still, oh, it's still on, it's great. Oh, I get you now. The online yeah, chat is run from yeah. London. Ah, right. Fair enough. Fair enough. And I've emailed everyone like Ken uh, Weldon from Sinn Féin's office in Shannon Street sent off an urgent form for me and um, he, he said hopefully something will come through by the end of the week. But I've emailed everyone. I've emailed Mary Lou, Simon, Leo, Michael, the DFA, everyone and nothing. I've heard nothing. And where is it you're looking to go? And you, look, you, you're... Uh, there's, there's 18 of us flying out to Salou for a week for my 30th birthday. Oh. But if her passport doesn't come, I'll be staying back when my partner takes the kids and heads off with my family. Oh, God. Okay. Okay. So... She, doesn't, she doesn't really take good to anyone else, so... She had COVID two weeks ago, so she's very oh. bound to me. Poor thing. Yeah, so March 5th, even if it was seven weeks, so that'll be April 5th and should be end of April. It should have been 35 working days, should have been here by now, you would think. But the the, yeah. the website checker says the 11th of May. Uh, I'm yeah, and I've been checking it now the last two days and it hasn't moved a bit okay. when I'm tracking it. Okay, stay there and wait for me. Stephanie, be, stay and wait for me because I, I know that we, we, we did, um, and he's been very good with, with some people who contacted us before. He knows the workings of the office very well, and that's uh, Deputy Deputy Cullen Bork. Cullen, good morning to you. Um, morning, future. Look, Stephanie's case is just one of many, and I know that you've been able to, to look into a few for us, uh, because like all public reps, you, you tend to have an inside track here. What is the story? And I'm not asking to comment on individual cases now, but what is the story on applications, particularly for new babies. It's painfully yeah. slow. It's extremely slow. Um, it's, they're saying it's 35 working days. Now, that's obviously, you know, you take next week is bank holiday. There's only four working days next week. So it's 35 working days. Um, it was 40 working days. They're telling us it's down to 35. Um, there's a huge increase in the number of applications. It was said even before the 1st of January that there was up to 1 million passports that needed to be renewed in 2022. Um, and Over 1 million. And for instance, at the present time, there's over 180 180,000 applications currently in the passport office being processed. The, the issue in relation to renewal, like for instance, 45% of um, passport renewals are completed within one day. It's 10 normal, normally it's 10 days for ordinary adult, for adult renewal applications, for children renewal applications it's 15 days, and then it's 35 working days for first time applications. And that's the big issue, yeah. because if there's a query raised, and this is the problem, if there's a query raised, it slows up the process. Mm. There was the old situation that once a query raised, the 35 working days started from the time the query was replied to. Yeah, we've we now, discussed we've that now, before, <clears throat> yeah. That, that has been reversed now. So in other words, if, say, it was on day 25 that the query was raised, then um, they, once the reply came in, they, 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 it would stay in the queue in a normal way. One so would that, have to ask Colin why it would take 25 days to spot a fault or spot a well, query. I know, I know, but I suppose you're, you're dealing with... And, like, the issue is that we have taken on a huge number of additional staff, but it's still... It's the volume of new applications is the problem. As I said, over 1 million passports have to be renewed this year. Um, and then you see, remember, we had two or three years where there were people not travelling because of the pandemic. Therefore, a lot of people 
people let, left their passports lapsed and they're now travelling again, mm-hmm. therefore they are renewing. So I'm saying to anyone who is travelling, especially if it's a first-time application, to make sure I would be saying to people to put in their application at least three months before they travel at this stage, yeah. just to just in case a query is raised. And it's a simple thing. It could be, say, an issue in relation to a birth cert. It could be an issue in relation to a parent's passport. I'd, I'd, for instance, this week we've had I had to tell one lady that unfortunately her application has to be started from scratch. Um, all of the parents' uh, documents have been returned now. They were returned to her former address which caused its own problems. Um, I've had another case. In fact, it was uh, a member of... Uh, he's, he's working for the state and he wants to fly on the 6th of May and I asked him that the only way of dealing with his application was an adult application. The only way... There was, he lodged it in, I think, in March and he still hasn't sorted out his passport mm. and the only way of dealing with it was for him to physically travel to Dublin, apply for an emergency passport mm. uh, and withdraw, at the same time withdraw his his current application, which is difficult enough to do. Yeah. So, so it's, it's not just way. babies then, Colm, it's, it's anybody's first passport is extremely, extremely um, it troublesome. Is. And then now, if, you, if you go through on post, it's eight weeks from yeah. the time we're going through on post, so that's, it's a manual. That's crackers. It's, that, it's just, if you it's, compare to across the EU, and this is what listeners keep asking us, because you know yourself, a quick Google search now, you can find out all sorts in a matter of seconds. I mean, places like Latvia, Lithuania, other parts of the EU, you're talking 10 working days for a brand new passport. And we did some research here uh, a few weeks back. And again, like incredibly long wait as compared yeah. to other parts of the world. Well, I would say to you, you know, hopefully we can go get down to that situation where it is only 10 days, whether it's a new passport, a, 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 you know, a first-time application or it's a renewal. But our problem for this year is the number of new passports, or sorry, the number of passports that have to be renewed. It's a huge volume and that's the difficulty that's going to be right throughout this year and there's no point in saying otherwise. One, one, one would suggest then, Colm, that in terms of managing an office and again perhaps you're doing it already or perhaps they're doing it already in there so you've got X number of people working in the office I don't know how many that is renewals are happening nice and handy so you allocate it's like having two rooms you allocate one room to renewals and you allocate the other room to new ones and you have a fella sitting outside the front sorting. I know it's very simplistic but that no, seems no, to be the solution. But the, the, that is exactly what's happening. Is All it? renewals are going into a separate um, processing facility and all of uh, first time applications are in a different processing facility as I understand it. So like, so in other words the people that are dealing with first time applications have the expertise um, the complication that's arising as well is say for instance if one of the parents um, wasn't born in Ireland and they're from outside of um, Ireland or they're outside of even the EU then that throws in added complications as well and then you have have a scenario which is you know you have a a situation where you have different um, arrangements now compared to when the child was born etc so you have you have is it, they're not all straightforward. Ah, there's no doubt. Know? There are no doubt. Um, there are pinch points. Can we, uh, we just had. Sorry, and, and there are glitches in the system yeah. as well. Like, well, but I said, we just had someone on the phone who, who works in in the corporate sector. Shall we say? It has told Fergal where they work. It's a fairly, fairly big company, and is suggesting that what's needed is a, is a time and motion expert to to find out where the choke points are, 
and, and then work out how why they're happening and get and, and how to get around them. He, he said, I work in private industry, and that's what happens. If we come across an unexpected complication, we flag it. We get extra resources to sort it out. And if we're slacking, we're told to get about it. So is there research, do you know, going on as to what is holding up well, the new they did this whole issue now, for instance, in relation to queries, you know, where a query was raised and then the the application went back to the start of the application process. That was looked at and that was changed. So we got a fundamental change there okay. rather than the person starting their 35 days from scratch again once the query was replied to. Um, you know, so there's been a number of issues dealt with by the department and by the office as regards expediting the process. Mm. Um, but it's still, there's still a lot of work to be done. Yeah. Remember, there's, there was a huge number of additional people recruited. So that takes time for people to uh, get into the system. Maybe they weren't recruited in time and I think the other issue that, that as I said earlier you know the, the whole issue where we literally had locked on for two years you know the, the urgency of renewing passports didn't people mm. didn't take it as an issue yeah. and that's now causing a lot, a lot of people let their passports lapse because of that listen <clears throat> Colin I want to move on other things Stephanie was just saying she's on the other line there she's saying look thanks very much for our interest in this she's happy if necessary to get into a car and drive to Dublin and do whatever is needed to get a, a passport for the little one. So we'll, we'll see where that one goes. Colm, I wanted to talk to you about a couple of other things, and I appreciate your patience. First of all, this announcement by Minister Heather Humphreys, Minister for Social Protection, and this came up on the programme a while back, that if a child is in receipt of the domiciliary care allowance, and by the very definition of that, there are children whose health isn't good, if they go into hospital, that care allowance stops after... 13 weeks. Minister has changed that now. Yes, it's gone up to 26 weeks now, in other words. So if the person is in hospital um, and they um, are in there for up to 26 weeks, the domiciliary care allowance has not changed. So the parents continue to receive it. And remember, when um, parents have a child in hospital, it is extremely demanding on parents because in a lot of cases, they're out of work themselves. Um, I've come across families where they're permanently, one or other member of the family is permanently in Dublin with the child um, or even in Cork, you know, so there's a huge demand on uh, parents where a child is seriously ill and requires full-time medical care. And I suppose, you know, I know we've heard a lot of criticism about the new children's hospital, for instance. You know, we have uh, currently in the children's hospitals in Dublin, we have parents sleeping on the floor with their, you know, their, their child is in hospital and having to sleep on the floor with the new children's hospital. One of the things we're doing is that we're making sure all rooms can mm. accommodate a parent. And also, we're also building 53 rooms for parents to stay overnight themselves individually. Okay. Okay. So, like, there's a lot of good things happening. In oh, relation yeah. to it. And yeah. I know that like, there's a lot of criticism, but like the domiciliary care allowance is extremely important because this is for children, um, for to give support to parents oh. for to have a child with it's, and uh, it's not uh, means tested <clears throat> and it's and it's quite Actually, generous and it's yes, and it's, it's paid for it's very few questions in fairness you just have yeah. to prove there's a need for it yeah yeah it's 309 euros 50 per month but you know any parent dealing with a child with any kind of medical challenges like it is difficult for families and it's extremely demanding if people have mortgages or rents or whatever you know there's all those things still have to be paid and still okay. they're having to take time out of work 
adults are losing uh, income. So yeah. it's a huge issue. So that'll be six months now if the child happens uh, 26 to... 26 weeks now. Yeah, six yeah. months, three months. Yeah. If, if the child happens to be uh, in hospital, that that's progress. Now, Minister Dara O'Brien is bringing forward to Cabinet this <coughs> morning what you might call uh, emergency measures. They are emergency measures to sort out housing problems for Ukrainian refugees coming into this country. Now, before I go on, there's not a single person listening, I think, who doesn't believe that those refugees are welcome and who doesn't believe that we should do everything we absolutely can for them. But Dara O'Brien, Minister Minister Dara O'Brien Cullenborg, is moving mountains when for years we were told these things can't be done. Why? And, and, And there's a danger, I would strongly suggest, of inadvertently causing a demonos situation whereby people who are in dire need of housing here for years are now asking, how come all this magic can be done for Ukrainian refugees? And we weren't able to do it for years. No, in fairness on this one, Peter, in relation to housing, like you taking Cork City Council, the number of new houses and new apartments being built every year has increased every year um, over the last well, five well, years. No, right? not, not disputing that, but the, <clears throat> the movement on voids, movement on other, yeah, other and, buildings. And that, there's, and, there's huge magic but, being but worked that, here. That has been happening over the last three to four years. What, one of the not things this that's fast. No, no, we, we, like for instance, you take Cork City Council, the number of new building programs that they have um, you you go back over the last 12-14 months for instance they, I think built over 700 houses last year in Cork City yeah, Council area yeah. and everyone right. the and <clears throat> this year but are you saying it only looks faster are you saying that's no, what no, no 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 this year for instance the target is over 1200 so like the targets are already set what the minister is talking about bringing to cabinet is that there's a whole lot of housing that still is uh, vacant yeah. within local authorities yeah. it's about fast tracking that so that would be available to people who are on the housing list and that then well, would but Colin, why did it take a war, four hours flight away at least, why did it take a war to do this? No, what I'm saying to you, Peter, a lot of the measures that have been done, for instance, you take in 2019, we built in total in the state, over 21,000 houses were yeah. built in the state in 2019. 2020, in fact, we only no, built... I'm two, not querying the numbers, because in fairness, even even Owen O'Brien, the last time he was on the programme, was happy with the numbers being turned over by Cork City Council. So, do you know what I mean? But what but I'm but getting but at, there's Colin, there's is all the, all the fast-tracking... Why can that happen now? Why didn't that happen five years ago? I think the, the the amount of fast tracking that's going to happen now is not going to be anything more different than what has happened over the last two to three years, um, and even back that's to not how people perceive it. Colin. Oh, I know that, yeah. But let's let's look at what's going to happen. Is that it's about fast tracking where we can bring houses that are belong to Cork City Council or belong to any local authority that are vacant at the moment, where the local authority don't have the funding to, um, you know, some people would say that they're adequate to let out at the moment. The local authorities are saying no, they're not. They need to do further work on them. And it's a looking at that to see how yeah. can we fast track those. The second issue that we need to look at, uh, uh, Peter, and I have a big issue about this, where we have 
people living in one person living in three and four bedroom houses and I have six of those at the moment for instance and it's six of I'm sure all the other public reps are the same where people want to downsize it's a local authority house um, they want to downsize to a smaller unit and we're finding that's taking a huge amount of time with this local authority and it shouldn't take that kind of time period I'm talking about anything up to two years from the time a person applies to downsize um, to actually get and what are you doing about it? What, what, well, well I'm, I've been on to City Council and I think that's one area I'm actually convinced that if you measured remember Cork City Council now has over I think over 11,000 local authority houses now if you actually did an audit in the morning I reckon there's anything up to 500 houses where there's only one person leaving sure living but, in but have, you with, sa- have you asked them Colin why is it taking two years like who's not who, well why? I've met with them I've met with them and I've asked them to expedite it and I will continue to do that uh, for that's instance, fine expedite but, but I, you I, need I, to find I, out why it's <clears> happening <throat> first like. <clears throat> well one of the issues being being raised with me is in regards um, <clears throat> trying to uh, identify a, a, a replacement um, living accommodation uh, what people are being offered sometimes it's not what they're happy with therefore <clears throat> to an extent the um, it, it's not always the local authority issue but for instance in what I have two cases at the moment where I myself have identified the the uh, the units and these are one bed units mm. for two people who want to move out of uh, a local authority yeah. house and if you take say if someone who's living on an old age pension at the moment and they have a three bedroom house to maintain that even though it's a local authority house to maintain that is costly for mm. them that's why they want to move out as well because yeah. there's a whole lot of empty space but hold on you, you say you've <clears> got <throat> people who have these big houses knocking around on their own you know a place that they could go you're a public representative and you can't speed it up. Uh, well, we, we are. We have brought it a long ways and hopefully we'll have a decision fairly fast within the next... Oh, what's the hold the fort- What's the hold Well, in, the, in this case, there's a board of management and the particular facilities that have to take a decision as well. Mm-hmm. So it's outside, of, it's outside the local authority uh, jurisdiction as well. So we have those problems and we have housing agencies now that we're dealing with. So there's a multiple of issues that can arise. It's a mess, prob- isn't it, Colm? It is an absolute well, mess. Well, it's about, it's about time and I suppose it's about time and management. It's about, you know, you identify a problem, making sure that you have one person assigned to resolving that problem, rather than going from one department to another department. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the problems that we have. Even a simple thing, for instance, we had a, a, we had a situation there in Cork City Council where a person was buying what was previously a local authority house. So it was now privately owned. The person that had, had it had died. It was being sold on. The person purchasing it was a first-time purchaser, and it took us six months to process it through Cork City Council. They, they, because, you know, if you sell a, a local authority house within 25 years of it being transferred... Where's the old paperwork? Yeah. Uh, like, because it has to go through five different offices. It goes oh, through the, 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 the law department, the uh, housing office. Yeah. It goes through multiple yeah, of, of departments. Yeah. And it's a trying to follow through. Drowning, I, I had some small personal connection to a case like that, column, and you are drowning in paperwork and tape. Well, you know, PJ, I can remember as a solicitor when people were on bridging finance for anything up to eight months, and for instance, you take out in Cork County Council, you couldn't draw down the loan until the mortgage was physically registered against the property that was purchased. And for instance, when we got the clients to sign the mortgage documents, you sent it out to the county solicitor. The county solicitor had to send it out to the housing office. The housing office had to send it up to the county secretary's department. That took six weeks. So I used to arrange for a counselor to go into the law 
law department, pick up the deed, take it up to the housing office, take it up to the county secretary's office and bring it back down. And we took six weeks off of the time people were on bridging. Uh, no, it's it's it's, it's not. So, in, in fairness to in fairness to you, you do you 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 do always you you do always um, bring a certain fresh approach to it that you actually do want to do something about it, and that's appreciated. Colin Bork, uh, TD for Cork North Central. It's just an absolute mess. But he's right about that. Like this fella has to give it. This fella has to give it. This fast. And it's all done by flipping post. In 2022. Anyway, 0818 96 96 96. Certainly on the passports coming back to and Stephanie will hope that we get something moving for Stephanie. Hopefully something can be done. She'll drive to Dublin if needs be. If you want to go on holidays and you have a new baby or you've never had a passport yourself before, apply like now. Like if you want to go on holidays, this is what, the 26th of April. If you want to go on holidays, like any time the summer, get the application in now, because it's taking it's taking two and a half to to three months. It, it's bonkers, but it is. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. You guys ready? We're driving, we're driving. Drive home weekdays from four on Cork's 96 FM. Hey, it's Lorraine. This week on the show, we're counting down the days to Ed Sheeran's arrival on Lee Side. We'll have all the build up ahead of his Parky Queef gigs, your chance to back his smart speaker on the takeover, and all you need to do is pick the playlist, showbiz interviews, traffic updates, and for all that's going on in Cork, I've got you sorted weekdays from four. The big drive home on Cork's 96 FM. If you're of a certain age, Maybe if you're not, maybe if you just watch a lot of YouTube and old telly, this music would be significant. (laughs) Kit, take me home. This gorgeous black Pontiac Trans Am, which is Drive Michael Knight home. The Hoff, the original Hoff. It's one of my favourite shows. They remade it a few years ago, made a hames of it, but still. Knight Rider it was, this... Talk, talking, self-driving, self-navigating, computerized car. And I always used to dream, God, I'd love one of them. And we know now that the self-driving car will be a thing sometime soon. But I don't somehow think, Geraldine Herbert, that I will sit in to the car outside the pub after a couple of scoops and say, car, take me home anytime soon. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. I'm not sure it's going to talk to you either, PJ. You might be disappointed about that. But, um, yeah, so I suppose slowly but surely we're seeing, I mean, essentially a self-driving car is a collection of various different systems on a car that do various different things for the driver. So we are going to see over the next while more and more of those systems in place. But the idea of a, of a self-driving car, as in, you know, what you're talking about, no steering wheel, no pedals, the car will do everything for you. The idea of those being owned by people and your car that's sitting outside your front door being one of those, yeah, that's a long time away now, I have to tell you. So, so I, I wouldn't be planning for that quite yet, PJ. Yeah, you wouldn't be saying, come get me. No. Oh. <laughs> you might be, but nothing will happen. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, Ger, would you feel safe driving one of the self-driving cars that, that are coming in the short term, like, what are they going to be? Are they going? Will they have what? They'll just take over on the motorway or something? 
Yeah, so what, I mean, the self-driving cars are sort of back in the headlines now because in the UK, they're actually going to allow people, now there's a new system coming in cars, it's called automated lane-keeping systems. It's not going to be on many cars, PJ, it's going to be on the really expensive ones, your sort of, your Mercedes S-Class, your BMW 7 Series, and they're likely to be on the roads at the end of the year. Now, what the government are saying is that they're going to allow people with these systems in their car to actually take their hands off the steering wheel, read a book, do whatever, and let the technology take over. Now, what the technology is, it's basically a combination of two things. Lane keeping assistance, which a lot of people listening this morning will actually have that on their car, and adaptive cruise control. So it's like a sort of robust combination of the two of those. It works a lot more effectively than either of those systems. So mm. it's combined. Um, and it works with cameras and sensors and all of those things. So up to a speed of 37 miles per hour, which is about 60 kilometres, this is what they're going to allow you in the UK to do if you're on a motorway. Now, that's that's one of the things. It has to be a motorway. You can't hang on. Who, goes a, who, dri- well, who drives at 37 miles an hour on a flipping motorway? Well, if you've been on motorways in the UK, you're lucky if you even get up to that speed at times. <laughs> this they're is so true. congested. Yes. But that's what they're saying. Now, obviously, motorways, there's no pedestrians, there's no cyclists. Traffic works in an, only one direction. So these are all the provisions for it at the moment. As I said, it's going to be on very few cars, but it's making the headlines because it's this idea that people will actually for the first time in the UK, you know, be able to read a book in a car. I mean, it's, it's astounding. But there's all sorts of criticisms already, even though it hasn't been rolled out yet. The RAC are worried that people might fall asleep behind the wheel. There's various different legal people going, saying it'll be a legal minefield. Yeah. So, you know, it's... it's, would, it's I mean, Jerry, you're always happen. testing new cars. Would you drive one of these? Um, I would certainly try out that system. You see, in essence, the tech, if the technology works, that's great. But the, I suppose the worry is the two things. What if the technology fails, number one? And I mean, I have watched cars, you know, reading the wrong speed limits at various different times. And the other problem is humans. Humans don't do what they're supposed to do. You know, we all push things a bit further. So will people use it at a higher speed? You know, there's, there's, like, there's all sorts of questions around yeah. it at the moment. And also, it's probably on the, the few motorways we have, it might be possible, but it wouldn't be possible on, on general roads. I mean, I'm a big fan of of cruise control, but I've always thought there is one simple way you could enhance cruise control. You know the way you're motoring along on the motorway and you just literally brush off a pedal and you have control of the car back. Mm. But you could do that if if all you did was flash an indicator or touch and it, it should be one touch of anything to get the car back. Yeah, well, absolutely. And I suppose these are the kind of things they're going to be looking at is how do you take control back? You see, this is the big thing at the moment as well, particularly with these systems where they're going to allow people to actually read a book or, you know, watch TV or whatever. How do you ensure that the driver can respond really quickly and take control back in an instant? Because that's the whole point of these systems. They're still only assistive. They're not, you know, Mm. you still need a human watching over them and ready to respond. Yeah, so so Michael Knight and and the Knight yeah. Industries two thousand. It's I mean I'm sure you you probably remember it too. It's still science fiction. Well, yeah, in terms of the, I mean, what we are going to see is we're going. There's a lot of work at the moment on autonomous trucks. This is a big thing at oh, the yeah. moment because obviously there is a global uh, truck driver shortage. So there's huge amounts of resources going into that. You probably also heard uh, Elon Musk talking about the robo taxis. A lot of work going into that yeah. at the moment. These you know automated taxis that will work in a particular you know they'd be geofenced, so there'd be only one particular area they work in. But there's a lot of work going on at those at the moment. But the idea of a privately owned car sitting outside your door with no steering wheel, no pedals where you literally just step into and say take me wherever yeah we're, that's a long way off yet <laughs> and I still wonder if we'll ever have that PJ because it doesn't make sense really if you've all of that technology in a car and it can drive itself why would it be sitting outside your door so I don't know if private ownership and driverless cars is ever really going to happen alright 
It was it was a lovely idea, and I always used to think I want one of them cars someday. But I, I don't think I'll see it, and I don't know whether you'll see it or not. But we won't. Neither of us, I think, will see that day. Well, I think we'll definitely. So I think we're definitely going to see more and more of these automated systems. And as I said, robo taxis are the next big thing, and autonomous trucks could really be a major breakthrough in terms of all sorts of things. But I, as I said, I think that I, I think the landscape in motoring is going to change quicker than and private ownership is going to change before we have an option to buy a driverless car like that. All right, Geraldine. Thanks, Geraldine Herbert, Sunday Indo, and WheelsForWomen.ie is her. Website will be. We're a few years yet from Take Me Home. I'm drunk. Sharon Fever is taking over Cork. We're throwing the biggest pre parties on Lee side before you head to end. Cork's 96 FM. Not one humdinger of a party, two humdingers of a party on the boardwalk at Tequila Jacks Thursday and Friday from 4. The Ed Sheeran vibe hits town. Casey and Simon Murdoch on the decks. And the street, please. Freebies like you've never seen before. Down at Tequila Jags. Love that place. It's the only place to be in Cork City before you head to Ed. This Thursday and Friday from 4. Be there and enjoy. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 969696. 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. For anybody wondering about that television show I was talking about, Knight Rider, first of all, ask your daddy or older brother about it. They'll be well into it. If you want to see it, you can actually get it because now and Sky have started streaming a thing called Peacock, which is an NBC-owned streaming service. And if you have certain subscriptions on now and Sky, you can get Peacock. And there's four seasons of Knight Rider there. That was great. It was a dinger of a show. 0818-9696-96. There was a Cork man in it as well. There was a very well-known, very famous, lovely Cork man was in Knight Rider. That it was called it was Edward Mulhair Corkman from Barrack Street I think if I'm right 0818969696 Jenny was on about passports PJ my first Irish passport application was done when I finally got my citizenship it took six months to get the passport they also wanted my UK passport which then left me no means to travel if my mother fell seriously ill I eventually did get it but then it took another month to get back my supporting documentation, I had to go on the chat with them to get it back. It's crackers, says Jenny. Thank you. Thanks, Jenny. Anybody looking for a first passport, be it for a baby or a toddler or any kind of a smallie at all, or yourself, if you've never had a passport before, you need to do it now if you want to travel, like I'd say, this side of Halloween with the sounds of things. 0818 96 96 96. Now, this woman used to work here on and off. Um, she used to give us some assistance on the opinion line a number of years ago. And, Tori, you'd have been limping even then 
um, because you had chronic arthritis. God love you, girl. I know what it's like to have arthritis. But you tweeted, it's your pinned tweet, Tori. Last year, you were told you'd be waiting four years to see someone about a hip replacement. Now, you got it done last week. You said, this, you, you learnt then that the system can work. That's where we'll start. Let's start with the, with your ailment first, though, Tori. I mean, you're only in your, in your 40s. Hip replacements yes. are unusual in your 40s. Oh, 100%, 100%. So I have two types of arthritis. So I have autoimmune arthritis. I have something called psoriatic arthritis. It's the rheumatoid family. Um, and it's basically where your the best way to describe it is your bones pucker and dissolve. They, they, they wear against each other. If you think of how cuttlefish, if you rub two cuttlefish off each other, how easily they kind of crumble. That, yeah. That's kind of what my bones act a bit like so my immune system attacks my joints um, and psoriatic arthritis is wearing off um, normally you have it in big joints or little joints I have it in both um, so it was hard, it's hard to, it's a clinical diagnosis so you don't find it in blood you find it by damage over years so I had um, it's, I can go back to my teens and pains in my shoulders and things like that and you kind of get growing pains and things like that but in my 20s, um, I had what my GP at the time thought was a frozen shoulder. It wasn't. Um, it was the, the onset of this. Um, at its worst, it feels like you've got swords that are on fire twisting in your joints. Um, you can't move. You move one way, they lock. You can't move them the other way. Um, and it comes in flares. So suddenly when it's, it's been bad for a while and, you know, it's, it, my flare was gradually getting worse until I got treatment. And it was as they realised, I got to the point where I couldn't make a fist with my hand and I couldn't open my hands straight fully. So I had like claws. Um, I couldn't get dressed in the morning. I couldn't get out of bed. When I got out of bed, I was crawling to the bathroom. And that was in my 20s. So when I was 31, that was when I got, about 31, 32, I got the diagnosis of psoriatic arthritis. So there's lots of different treatments for that that they put you on. There's lots of different drugs that can treat these things. And it is a case of, because it's your immune system, it's you. So it's it's you and how your body works with the different drugs. So it's a case of trial and error to find what works. Um, so I was put on uh, tablets first. And eventually they don't work anymore because your body gets used to, because again, because it's your immune system, your immune system gets used to the drugs and can trick the drugs. Yes. So it's your immune system moving around the drug and going, I want that joint. So what would happen was, because my immune system was attacking my joints then, my health itself wasn't great. I was getting chest infections, bronchitis, um, pneumonia. Um, I, you know, Every single time I got a cold, it turned into bronchitis. My body couldn't fight it. So eventually I got put on what is called a biologic drug. Mm. It's a self-inject mm. and it does what steroids do, but it does steroids, as we know, fantastic. Mm. They do great things, but the side effects of steroids are absolutely horrific mm. so this is one you um, keep in the fridge isn't it you keep this yeah yes, exactly exactly so the one the first one they put me on didn't work and because i'm stubborn i went well that's not going to work so i'm not going to do drugs and i tried yoga i tried all different things you know and diet and all that kind of thing and yes that helps 
but it doesn't stop the damage. You need to slow down the damage. What I have is degenerative, so it's never going to go away, but we can slow it down. So eventually, back in 2018, my specialist managed to convince me to try a new drug, and it worked. And it did amazing things for me. As you guys know, I lost about six stone I was got into running I got on top of my condition um a lot of the arthritis is like you when you exercise they 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 your body they you need to keep your body moving it is like rust at the end of the day um so um I got into running I was doing the mini marathon in September and things like that um I got back working loved my job had a really active job and suddenly um, COVID hit. And because the drug that I'm on that I self-inject is what they call immunosuppressant, I was one of those that you're high risk, go lock yourself away. You were um, weren't you, from months? Yes, yes, yeah. Um, also, at this point, my hip was starting to lock, but I didn't know. My hip has locked for years, but I've lived with it locking for years. I might fall over sometimes. My hip would go from under me, and I'd have to make... I'm not drunk, I'm not drunk, it's just my hip. Uh, so I got used to it. I lived with it being a bit chippy, and, you know, that's just my hip. Um, so... To, to keep sane in cocoon time, I would go for my runs and I was building up and I was thinking, do you know what? I might get that marathon in. You know, I'm thinking, I'm looking in terms of this would be, you know, something good and good news story for arthritis and getting on, you know. And, and one evening back in May 2020, we were having dinner. We were all in the house and I was sat and I'd had my, I had done an 8K that day. And I went to get up and I couldn't get up. And at first you kind of, because you're used to your body and the way your body does things, you, you make jokes. And then I went, okay, this isn't going to, and I said, I said to my husband, I said, I need help. And he got up and he wrapped his arms around me and he lifted me. And my daughter came over, she's 25, and she pushed, she had to push my hip to get it I was locked in a 90 degree angle as it were it clicked yeah it clicked sorry if you're screaming anyone I hope you've had your breakfast this sounds um, so sore it, it, to be honest at that point I didn't feel anything the worry was I had my smallie he's just turned 14 he was 12 at the time he hadn't seen much of my condition because he was young and at school he just knew that mum had arthritis but he didn't you know know how bad it was so all I was worried about was it's fine it's okay we're grand go back to cup of tea after dinner we're fine um so I rang my GP the next day and we organized an x-ray um for the hip and she they I got the x-ray within about 10 days and we saw on the x-ray they could see what at that point they were calling. Oh, I forgot. It's it's where the bone wears away and causes a bit of a pucker and things like that. So she said, there's something going on with your hip. We need to get you an MRI. But of course, because of COVID um, and whatnot, that MRI happened in January 2021. Um, we were in lockdown again. And I had to get myself into the MRI machine, so I did. And when the MRI was done, she came around and helped me out of the machine. So I kind of knew then something was wrong. <laughs> this you must have felt Tory like someone was trying to break you in half. Yeah, um, it's it's more um, that your body is is stopping. It's it's 
it's it's your leg it's your main part of your body it's like your body is doesn't want to do what you're telling it anymore so I'm very right-sided, so when I walk, I'd be right foot first, right foot first up a stairs, right foot first up a curb. But I was starting to fall, and my weight, my hip wasn't holding my weight. Um, and then the pain started kicking in, and we thought my biologic had stopped working. So we put me onto different drugs. They didn't work, so we went back to the old biologic. By this time then... We're going to about uh, June last year. My GP is now sending weekly letters to the South Infirmary because that's where it had been recommended I go. Um, she needs to be seen. Something's not right here. She's Her ability to do anything is, is going. She's not working. She can't go anywhere. She can't do anything. Um, and I kept getting letters that said... And we were in COVID times. We have to remember that. And, you know, and it was, it was, you know, it was peak COVID last year. And I was getting letters saying, your triage is urgent. You'll be seen. We just don't know when. Your triage is urgent. You'll be seen. We don't know when. Um, so come last summer, as you guys know, I looked into going to Belfast. Um, and I did go and meet a surgeon in Belfast. That's the cross-border initiative. But because I have so many things going on with having two types of arthritis, it was sort of preferred that if I didn't have a weight, stay in Cork, get it done in Cork. It just makes more sense to get it done in Cork if you can. So um, I, I rang in July. I managed to get through in July. And that's the tweet. So we, we get to the tweet. I rang in July and this poor chap in um, a, a sort of admissions appointments kind of um, in, in the hospital said, oh, yes, I can see here you're on his list to, to, to him for it to look at your file. Um, and I, I, I said, what's the wait time? And he said, it could be four years, but you're a year already. I can see this was um, June 2020. Um, so you've got a year done already. And that's when my world came crashing down. Um, so it was after that we looked at Belfast. And, um, yeah, it was it was then that pain was starting to get really bad. So I was on paracetamol. I was on steroids. Um, and um, they were moving me on to sulfidine at that point. So it was sulfidine at night because the pain is worst at night when you're sleeping you can feel pain in your sleep it, it's that bad it wakes you I was waking the house with my pain before I was waking myself because I was crying or shouting in my sleep I'd have happily ripped my own leg off that's the only way I can put it I remember you posting um, pictures on Twitter at the time and I noticed you just did not look well you were starting to look gaunt and yeah. sore and, and your, eye, your eyes were full of pain yeah, yeah. Everybody, everybody could see it, even when I would smile through it, and and that's me. I make jokes. I, I, I. You know, you have to see the funny side, and and I did a lot of that. But my family, my husband, my kids, um, and my neighbour next door, who I'd be very close with, they all they saw the tears. They saw the. You know, we'd have barbecues when we were allowed to have people over and we'd be in the back garden because we were being careful with me, again, because of mm. of of my immune system. We'd have friends over in the back garden when it was allowed. And 
you know, and I might fall, I might find a divot in the garden and I'd go. And, you know, I I even didn't get mortified anymore because it was just, this is my leg, this is my life, this is what's happening to me. So I started getting really, really reliant on the cane by last August. So I had my cane um, to, that it supported that side because the hip was going. Um, and by November, nothing would touch the pain. Um, and so they moved me on to opioids. So it's Palexia. It's the it's it's the the controlled drug. Um, I gave up drinking at that point. I said, right, I'm not drinking. That's gone. So I love I love my cup of tea and I love my coffee anyway. And finding lots of new soft drinks is fun. Um, but I said I have to give myself a fighting chance. I've never smoked. So I said. I need to do everything I can to make this right. Through the door came a letter. My specialist will meet me in January in South Infirmary. And that was about September, end of September last year. So and what I, had changed? I know about that. My, yeah, changed? my file. He had seen my file. It is literally, and I've always said this, our health service is amazing once you're in <laughs> the hardest yes. bit is getting in um, and it is a triage and things are so obviously overwhelmed and slowed down it's a case of files getting in front of surgeons and my surgeon saw my file and said I will see you in January so I met him in January um, and he said yep yeah, no doubt about it you need a total hip replacement um, and um, he said uh, you'll get a pre-op thing in April and he said I expect to be doing you around June, July and his actual words were COVID willing. Um, so then I um, I just kept life very simple um, tried to do as little as possible but as much as I could do um, I go for walks along Long Point in Whitegate because it's nice and smooth that path is lovely there, I live out in East Cork so I love beaches, but I can't walk on a beach. I couldn't. Well, I can't at the moment, but I will in the future again. Um, walking on a beach would set me off for two days afterwards. I wouldn't be able to move properly because it's obviously uneven. It's uneven and, my, yeah. and my hip wouldn't take it. So, um, so yeah, kept things very simple um, and got the letter in March just a month ago to say uh, we'll do you on the 7th of April and as everybody knows that week we got Covid in the house (laughs) (laughs) so um, that shifted me out but I have to say again and I've said this many many times on Twitter the South Infirmary have been fantastic they've kept in touch with me they were talking to me they were doing the pre-op things they were letting me know what I needed to do and once you followed everything there, um, I got a photo. I was supposed to be done because of COVID. I was supposed to be done on the 29th of April. And two weeks ago today, I got a phone call, five o'clock in the evening. And it was um, the lovely lady in admissions. And she said, hi, it's here. And would you uh, would you be able for the 19th? And I all my dates had been Thursday. So I said, oh, a week on Thursday. And she said, no, a week today. Um, so, um, yeah, so my hip is now, as of about midday today, will be a week old. And how are you? Really good, really good. I can't stop smiling, um, even when I'm doing my exercises that hurt. Yes. Um, I know there's um, a lot of post-op pain, Tony, or Tori, from, I mean, I remember my dad, God rest him, had a hip replacement, but my mom is about to have one soon, do you know, and I know friends who've had one. The post-op pain 
is significant, but it's very different pain from what you're used to. 100%. 100%. Um, I actually said to my surgeon last Thursday when he was telling me, you can go home, um, I said to him, I know this is going to sound really, really weird. And even as I sit here and think about it, it's the same feeling. I can feel the bad hip is gone. It's the strangest sensation because it was always there. It was gnarled. It was angry. It was, it, 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 it couldn't do what it was. My hip couldn't do what it, it's supposed to do. And that pain was always there. And it was just like sending messages of upset and disturbance all around my body. All my joints were out of the line. Everything was upset by my hip. And Honestly, post-op, apart from the, the old little bath, which I treated about, I felt fantastic. Even though I was tired, it was like, yeah, people say it, it's true. That pain goes, and it's like, wow. Um, I had extreme soreness, like, you know, when you skin yourself as a child and you come off your bike or something yeah, like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. That's the pain on the side of my hip that I had, really. Um, and... The pains that I'm dealing with now are muscles waking up and using muscles I haven't used in years. Um, That's what I'm feeling now, but I'm actually bending my knee on the stairs. I can't remember the last time I bent my knee on the stairs. Um, You know, it's, it's little things like that. So it is, the future's bright now. You know, it's, I can get on, my shoulder needs looking at, so I'm going to be referred for my shoulder, but we're hoping my shoulder is just a side effect of the hip because my shoulder started doing the work of my hip. Yeah. So, um, we, but we do need to just yeah, check yeah, that. Whole, so be, see, the problem is when something like that is wrong, your whole body goes out in sympathy. Yeah. And now oh, you've got to, yeah. now you've got to put everything back where it yeah. should be. Yeah, it's relearning to do yeah. everything. It's really I I'm could so only so thrilled for you though. I'm so delighted I'd, for you. I I'm I'm delighted. I could only sit one way. I could only walk one way. I could only move one way. And now it's like learning to walk again and moving my leg in the way it's supposed to go and like there's lots of things at the moment post op you're not allowed to do. The best little story I can give you is physio, because I got a little bit sick on the Tuesday afternoon, I had hoped, because I was second in surgery, that I would be able to get out of bed Tuesday evening. Because they do say, if you're well enough after surgery, physio will come and move you. But because I had had my little bath and wasn't 100%, they said I I get very cold very easily. So I had gotten cold and they said, no, you're staying in bed. So physio came around on the Tuesday morning and oh, on the Wednesday morning, two lovely girls, fantastic. My little angels, they were brilliant. And they got the frame and they said, right, they told me what to do. And I stood up and the colour drained from my face. And they said, right, you've stood up, but you're sitting down. <laughs> so they sat me down and I got a flood of questions into my head and they said, we'll be back this afternoon. We are going to get you walking this afternoon. Um, so they came back in the afternoon and I had a, a load of questions and I said to one of the physios, they, I, I, I asked her the question that I had and she said, Tor, it's like, because I told them all, if I hear Victoria, I think I'm in trouble. It's Tori or Tor. And she said, Tor, if you, because 90 degrees is the big thing. If you go to 91 degrees, it's not going to pop out. You can't break it. She said, you're doing everything you're told. You can't break it. And it was at that point that I went, right, I can do this. And nurses and the physios, all they kept saying to me from the Wednesday lunchtime was, you have a hip now, 
use it. I wasn't using my hip before because it wasn't usable. So, so I, I suggest you be going clubbing sometime soon. <laughs> they were, they... I'm, I'm, I'm not allowed running. <laughs> running is out. So I, I shall be purchasing a bike because Good. I love my exercise. So I had said to my surgeon, what am I allowed to do? So he said you could go cycling and swimming. So I will be getting a bike um, and I am you. going to take right. up sea swimming. So I, I remember even when you were in around here, like there were days when you were in awful pain and we could see mm, it. Mm, and that was mm. and that was before you got really, really bad. The pain, the tears of pain have been replaced with tears of relief. You've shed a few of them. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, that's me. I can't cry at anything. But yeah, it, it's been it's it, it's been a roller coaster the last month and for my family around me as well, it's been a roller coaster for everyone. But to be able to share my joy now and you've got me going, PJ, you've got me going to be able to share my joy and that I, I can be me again. It, yeah. it's, you lose yourself in chronic pain. You 100% lose yourself in chronic pain because you try to hide it. You try to be normal. You don't want to frighten people. Um, and to actually now be able to say that bit of chronic pain is gone and hopefully the other bits of chronic pain it's been causing will ease in time and physio will get me back to where I was. And it is... You, you, all you want when all you want when you're in chronic pain is to not lose yourself. So it's yeah, it's it's there. You go. You got you got me. The, the happy tears are there. It's happy tears. <laughs> I'm delighted for you, girl. And, and Kate, who you might remember when you were here, she just had one thing to say: hip, hip, hooray. All them. I'm getting all them. I, I'm getting the best jokes. I'm, I'm, I'm on my I'm on my one week anniversary today now. Listen, <laughs> the best look, look, look after yourself, Tori. All right, I I'm will deli- be. delighted Thank to you. hear your news that you're so relieved from all that pain you had for years. That's Tori Hawthorne, uh, and proof the system worked. Four years, she was told she might be waiting, and then the doctor saw the file and said, "Uh uh-uh, uh, uh uh, no, no, get this sorted." And sorted it was. Delighted for her. 0818 96 96 96. Kev's been following Tori for a long time uh, on Twitter and been following her journey. So happy for you, mate, he says. And this other t- uh, message, I can sympathise. I was diagnosed with double carpal tunnel in December 2019. Still waiting for surgery from D in Goline. And hip surgery is... Really is life changing. My own brother had it a couple of years ago and it changed everything for him. And a great friend of mine who I haven't had a chance to mention in a long time, the great Ken Foley uh, from TV Audio Electrical up there by the airport. Like if it's, if it's, if it's broken and Ken says he can't fix it, then it's banjaxed. But Ken was a champion 10 pin bowler. One of the best 10 pin bowlers I ever, ever, ever saw play. And Ken had a hip replacement a couple of years ago and he was absolutely knackered before it. And now he's a double Irish champion again. 0818 96 96 96. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, lots of people uh, really enjoying uh, Tory's happiness and uh, the story 
of how life has changed for her in the space of a week. Uh, so lovely to hear Tori's story. Says so that WhatsApp message, 0818 96 96 96. There's a bit of news on the shopping front, my friends. Are you sitting down? Are you, um, are you relaxed? The boss of Primark, Pennies? Don't mind Primark. We don't, there's no Primark. Boss of Pennies? Right? Primark. He's a man called George Weston. He has just said this morning, inflationary pressures are such that we're unable to offset them all with cost savings. And so Primark will implement selective price increases across some of the autumn winter stock. Oh my God! Things are going to go up in pennies. Oh my, that world is nearly over. No, that's big business. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. This news, though, because they have for so long been the low price model Um, but they have said this morning their gaffer Mr Weston has said inflation is just now so chronic we can't do this anymore so for the autumn and winter certain things are going to go up in price at pennies 0818 96 96 96 we know about social media look it was if you said to me one time what is the best invention of all time I would say social media if you said, what's the worst invention of all time? I would say social media. And it has jumped into the headlines in the past 24 hours with the whole Elon Musk thing. And look, people feel this way, that way, and the other way about Elon Musk. He hasn't actually bought Twitter. He's put a deal on the table where he wants to buy Twitter for 43 million US dollars, like billion US dollars. Serious money. But it's, it's timely enough that a book has just come out called Dark Social. Uh, understanding the darker side of work, personality, and social media. And one thing you're always told about your social media behavior is, look, you are on social media as an individual, but you're also on social media as a representative of where you work, no matter when you use it. And it's a connection that some people 
forget. Uh, and, and it can and it does bring out the worst in people. Uh, and that's kind of a lot of what this book is about. Ian McRae is the writer of Dark Social. Ian, good morning. Yeah, good morning, PJ. How's it going? Good. Good to speak with you. It does, doesn't it? It was, it was the best invention and the worst invention all at the same time. And it has brought out the worst in people at the, at the wrong time, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. And I feel the same about that. It can sometimes bring in the, bring out the best in me or the worst in me, sometimes depending on the day. But, um, yeah, I think it's a very useful tool. And I think the better we can understand it and understand ourselves on it, the better we can use it. Yeah. Now the, the title of your book, Dark Social, the meaning of it is social stuff that has negative characteristics or unindexed social stuff. Now, that's a kind of a strange definition. Give me some concrete examples of what the stuff you mean. Yeah, so dark social, the one of the definitions of it is essentially everything we can't see, observe, or track. So that could be things like email or WhatsApp messages or anything that's not publicly posted is all of the dark side of the social stuff that we can't necessarily see or observe or measure, but it's stuff that's all happening in the background that's affecting all of the connections, all of the ways people talk about stuff online, all of the trending topics that um, we might see some of it in the public eye, but there's lots more going on underneath the surface that we can't necessarily see. But we know that it's happening, it's there, all of those connections are being made, even if all of it isn't publicly available. But the other side of it is there is a, that kind of dark social in the sense of destructive or negative or sometimes toxic behavior that happens. So I those kind a of lead into example of that maybe, Ian, that we could get our heads around what you mean. So if you're looking at a Twitter feed, um, everything that someone's posting publicly um, is that's kind of on the clear web, but that's not dark social. But the direct messages people are sending are dark social because you can't see what messages other people are sending. Right. Um, gossip is part of the human condition. It's been with us yep. since the dawn of time. For the first time people ever despair learn to speak to each other when two people they always talked about a third person uh, it's it's mm -hmm. it's normal so you open a big platform like this you open it to all sorts of gossip good and bad yep. it's just the nature mm -hmm. of things do you think there's enough protection against it i mean yeah that's a tough one because gossip has always been around it will always be around and if i had a choice i wouldn't try and censor it or shut it down necessarily because people want to talk about social information, want to talk about other people, want to discuss that stuff. The problem that happens in social media platforms is when gossip or kind of negative conversations are monetized. And when there's someone in the middle who is benefiting or profiting off of people making money based on that gossip or that kind of negative um, conversation or what people are saying about other people. So I don't want to necessarily shut down gossip, but understanding that there's certain platforms or certain ways of talking that amplify it and yeah. deliberately amplify it to profit from it. Yeah. And I think that's something that we can't necessarily change personally, but we just have to understand that it's happening. So if we are gossiping on certain platforms versus just having a conversation with each other, then different people are benefiting from that in different yeah. ways. Like there's an old saying, I'm sure you've heard it, Ian, a lie is twice around the world before the truth has its boots on. Yeah. Now, now I'd say it's 10 times since the arrivals of social media. So in terms of business and doing business, like a lie can destroy you before the first coffee break of the morning. 
Yeah, and that's why you have to be so careful about it. But for businesses, it's why you also have to understand what's happening on these platforms because you can't pretend it doesn't exist or it's not happening or people aren't talking about your brand or your company or your business online. You have to understand that it's happening there and know how to manage it. And so if there's people who are, you know, talking about your company, maybe you have to respond, maybe you have to put out a statement and maybe you have to be putting out information to get ahead of, you know, gossip or rumors or stuff that isn't true coming out um, to make sure that you're actively engaging in these platforms and you're doing it in a productive um, way that's good for your business. Yeah. And this is why you see so many people um, with their Twitter handle in particular says opinions my own, but that actually is of no use to you if you happen to land your employer in trouble, is it? Oh, no, of course not. If you say something and you say, oh, it's only my opinion, um, it can still reflect negatively on you or your employer or whoever you're talking about. It is essentially meaningless. You still have to be careful or mindful about what you're saying and to whom. And if you're saying stuff that you think is going to get your employer or yourself in trouble, maybe you shouldn't be doing it publicly on Twitter. Yeah. Like everyone's got a bad side. Everyone's got a nasty side. Um, I'm sure I know I have. I'm I'm sure you probably have. But the the, the nature of social media is for some reason it tends to bring it out. It brings out the worst. Yeah, and there's a few reasons for that. One of it is um, really strong emotional messages tend to get amplified on social media. That's part of the way the algorithms work. So there is a tendency for really destructive content to get amplified. And that's kind of built into some of the platforms. I think some of the platforms do that more than others. I think Facebook is a good example of that, where it really, really promotes strong, negative emotional messaging. So that creates a potential problem when people know that they can get noticed more for uh, these kind of really dark or destructive messages versus positive ones, because that's what causes a strong emotional reaction in people and that's what makes people more likely to respond more likely to respond more frequently and intensely so it can kind of amplify that and it builds on itself some people make make a habit of just poking whatever bear is to be poked today and they have no problem stoking up trouble which is fine if they're only having fun but they can do harm too yeah, exactly. And it really is important to look at what's behind that and what's the reason for that. Because, you know, you can be a bit, you know, tease your friends or tease people you know, and that's fine if you know they're okay with it and you can have a joke with each other. That's one thing. But if you're doing that or poking the bear to sell a product or to get across a certain message or being kind of manipulative in the way you're doing it and you don't really care about the consequences, then that's when a lot of the problems come about. The, the idea for the book came from you were thinking about what constitutes a good boss. Mm-hmm. What, what does constitute a good or a bad boss? I mean, does every workplace kind of need someone who is a pain in the backside and you hate to work around but actually gets the job done? We need someone yeah, else, don't there, we? Yeah, there is a bit of that. And it's interesting when you're looking at what makes a good boss because uh, one of the things I would say is someone who's, ethical, productive, and has the best interests of the team and the organization in mind in the long term. Because one of the things you often see is people who are sometimes good at getting short-term attention um, or have those kind of destructive tendencies um, to be manipulative in the short term, there's long-term consequences associated with that, right? If you can get your company in the news this week, even if it's not for something good, then maybe you can get useful attention in the short term, but it's destructive in the long term. Um, Again, if you're really focusing on 
you know, your team's performance in the short term in the next couple of days at the cost of their mental health or well-being over the long period of time. Sometimes those short-term consequences have costs. So for leaders, we want to see people who have the interests of their company and their team uh, in the long term in mind instead of just whatever is going to get uh, be most effective right now without thinking about the long term. So you kind of have to balance those time perspectives and time frames for what's most useful in the long term and what's ethical, legal, productive in the long term as well. And, you know, we can learn to recognize the dark stuff in ourselves. I mean, I've certainly had the the tweet written and I go, no, no, erase yep. it, you know, leave that go, you know, think it, don't say it. You can recognize yeah. those those moments in yourself and you have to become quite skilled at it. But how do you point out, or should you ever point out to someone else in your team, actually, you kind of think that, you don't say that? Yeah, it's tough to do sometimes because you need to know if they're going to kind of respect that and if they're going to listen to that advice from you. So there's some nuance and some understanding and knowing when's the right time to intervene and who can who would listen to that. So there's sometimes when you definitely can or you should, but often people don't like unsolicited advice. So if you've got a long-term trusting relationship, you've got a colleague that you know really well and you can say, don't do that, especially not right now. Think about it. Maybe sleep on it. Sometimes posting at midnight is not a good idea, especially if you're um, having a strong emotional reaction or had some strong drinks. That normally leads to more problems. Um, So it is good to have that pause, but it's really good to reflect on why you're posting something, what the intention is, what kind of attention you're trying to attract, and what you think the outcome might be. And if you can't think about that in the moment, sometimes it's good to wait. I won't say what it was, but a tweet of my own a year or two ago landed me in a a little bit of hot water. And the person who pulled it up to me said, you know what, there's no one disagrees with you, but you should have kept it to yourself. And that's a a skill that you have to learn. The book is already shortlisted for the Business Book Awards of 2022. Ian McRae, writer of Dark Social, Understanding the Darker Side of Work, Personality and Social Media. Thanks for being with us on the Opinion Line and good luck with the success of the book. 0818 96 96 96. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. Cork Opera House is set to host a special concert in aid of the Irish Red Cross Ukraine Appeal. Taking place on Friday 13th of May, this exceptional event will feature Ruby Horse, the White Horse Guitar Club, Karen Underwood, the Carrick Tool Gospel Choir, and more. Tickets are on sale now from the Opera House box office. Access all areas. Multi Platinum, Multi Brit Award, and Grammy nominated singer songwriter David Gray has announced a special open air performance at Musgrave Park on Saturday, June 20th. It's part of his White Ladder 20th anniversary tour with tickets on sale now. Access all areas. You can contact us here at Access All Areas if you have a show, play, or exhibition coming up, or any live streaming events by emailing us now on aaa at 96fm.ie Access all areas Your guide to nightlife on side On Cork's 96FM Wow, here's one's come in um, I'm waiting since January for my son's passport so this is what, 26th April I'm waiting since January for my son's passport My wife and my other four kids are now in Disneyland. 
and I'm at home with my son because his passport still isn't here. Now that's awful. You'd wonder how many other people are in that position. Like, who was it talking to her, Stephanie, earlier on? If she doesn't get sorted, she'll be in that position. There'll be 18 of her friends gone away to celebrate her 30th birthday and she won't be there. And this man, waiting since January, um, wife and four kids now in Disneyland, and he's at home with his boy because there's no passport. Yeah. And you know what? You're trying to make memories with your kids and have great family holidays, and there's somebody missing that should be there, and that's awful. That's that's terrible. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Now buying stuff on stuff online is, is kind of fraught with with danger. I, I you think when you're buying something for a global giant like Apple from a global giant like Apple that it's a, it's a simple thing. So say something like Edward, you want to buy an Apple iTunes voucher for your best mate in America for his birthday. It would sound like the simplest thing in the world. But it isn't, is it? Good morning. Hi, good morning. How are you? Um, well, I, I tell you, I, I, back in March, 18th of March, um, I purchased two Apple iTunes cards. Uh, one for 50 euro, one for 100 euro. I bought them in Tesco's and Paul Street. Uh, now, I've sent cards to my friends before. Mm. Uh uh, one was only for €25 euro and it didn't verify so I lost it right. I lost it, I, I, I didn't do anything about it, I lost it, but this time <laughs> it was 50 and 100 so I sent them off to my two friends, one was for a birthday present and the 100 was for my friend who had a bad fall, hurt herself and had to get meds and she didn't have the money so I sent her the money to get her meds mm. uh, she didn't get her meds obviously because both cards didn't verify. So they sent me back a message, go back to the store. I went back to the store and I was told if you purchased the cards, they would have been scanned. You would have got a receipt. That means they would have been verified. I was like, well, I did purchase the cards. I paid cash, purchased the cards. And I, you, you peel the number from the back. You, yeah. you peel the, um, the cover from the back of the card and I, all I do is I take a, a picture of the number and the barcode, and I send it to whoever I'm sending it to. Oh, you don't send normally. Them the that's it. You don't send them the physical card, no, no. Oh no, I don't send the physical card. No, I just send them a picture of the card. How it actually works on the other side, I don't know. I've never used them myself. I just send them. So, uh, so the following day, uh, because of the time difference between here and the states. Uh, they both sent me the same message and the same picture, uh, a little message from Apple that your card cannot be redeemed. So Tesco basically said, look, we're only an agent. You have to deal with Apple. And Apple are saying that they're a third party and they can't deal with me. But they they did try. They did try. They said, look, uh, they actually gave me... Um, a case number and they've stated that the cards haven't been redeemed so basically the two cards now are in limbo Tesco they've sent me 
they sent me an email and which my friend Brian uh, printed off for me because he because he was dealing with the emails for me because mm. I'm, I'm not great with emails. So um, uh, so uh, I brought the letter to the manager in Tesco and the letter says um, return this person the the either the cards or the value of the cards and we will reimburse the store. Still nothing. So yeah. I've been running around wasting time now and my friend Brian has as well and we're getting nowhere, you know? Yeah, it's, it's so, um, if you look at things like um, Quora, which is that community forum, it says it's against the terms of the iTunes store to use a given country store from outside the country, but you think there must be some way to do it without you purchase a gift. And then there's another another post, a long and fairly complicated way of doing it. But what we did do is we tried to um, contact a couple of consumer journalists on your behalf to see what your actual rights mm-hmm. are. No one was available this morning, but it's one we're going to keep following up. I know that now I have a minister to do it. Uh, you wanted to, you heard Conor Faulkner in the news about helmets for e-scooters. You wanted to say something about that, Edward? I did, yeah. I did. I, I Just, God, and probably going back now maybe 10 years ago, a friend of mine, her daughter, um basically went over the handlebars of her bike in an accident, uh, jammed on the brakes and went over the front of the bike, uh, broke her jaw. Her jaw had to be wired. It cost her parents nearly 12000 in dental work. There was so much damage done. But the one point the doctor said was your daughter would be dead if she hadn't been wearing the helmet. The helmet actually cracked. Yeah. So you, you think the helmet's... So, so I no think... Yeah, for everybody across the board. All right. Listen, if we get any more on this, Ed, Ed, we will come back to you. This is a strange thing about buying iTunes vouchers here for someone overseas to use. He ran into a complication. He's trying to get it sorted out. So when we come back to... Because in the world where the Apple are this, this global giant, like... So it should be just a simple thing, you'd think... 0818 96 96 96. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96 FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. In a case you missed, us telling you earlier on, it pays to listen to The Opinion Line. And listen every day. For a long time every day. Because that's where Mary qualified for the final of her Ed Sheeran giveaway. And there she is this morning. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Totally overwhelmed. Woman nearly had a fit when we called her, or the lads called her, to say she was the winner. So, stay listening for the next big way to win. And listen to the opinion line. Because we do well on these things. We've been very lucky, actually, with some big winners in the last giveaway, too. 0818969696. Come here, 29 days. I looked at my clock with our calendar this morning. 29 days to the start of the Cork's 96 of M Giving for Living Radiothon, May 26th to 28th. And once again, we're raising funds 
for Cork Cancer Services and we need your help. We haven't been able to do it in full effect the last couple of years. Couldn't do it at all in 2020, of course. We did it last year. We had a very successful one last year. Not a lot of it done online, but we're back in full effect for 2022. And you can host a coffee break or an event like that at your work or home or school or wherever. Get all those loose coins together with our change collector boxes. We're having a big day on the Friday this year. It's a Jersey day. You wear your jersey to work, to school or to home and then raise money for Cork's 96M Giving for a Living Radiothon. And sign up for your fundraising pack right now. Pop on to 96M.ie and you'll find all the directions. It's really easy. And it's so, so, so excited to be back in full effect with the Cork's 96FM Giving for Living Radiothon, May 26th to 28th, only on Cork's 96FM. Good reaction, actually, to Tori. A lot of people identifying with her and the fact that she's just so relieved to have had the operation. I'll come back to that. But there was a story the other day. I I liked this story because, you know, when research is done into certain things, you kind of... I never thought about that. Talented young girls in school, they often get overlooked. You know, we hear about, oh, such and such was a a boy prodigy. He was a really bright lad. We don't hear about the the girls who were just as bright and just as talented. And you wonder why. It's because they're being overlooked. They're beavering away, doing their thing, being good, being great, being geniuses and all that. But (laughs) some fella is acting the mick in the next in the next row of desks and, and he gets all the attention so so her talent doesn't get spotted that seems to have come from a major piece of research um, conducted by uh, DCU Dr. Colm O'Reilly good morning it's an interesting one I good wouldn't morning. have thought that the attention is taken away from the bright girls by the naughty boys yeah, unfortunately, it's kind of one of these gender stereotypes that really lives up to its expectations. You know, teachers often leave girls to their own devices in relation to that, where they can uh, be socially more adapted. And uh, then they, the boys who are bored or find that they want to be disruptive, they might be the ones that the teachers will put forward just to give themselves an easier life, I assume, you know. Tell me about the the, the, the survey. How did you... How was that conducted? Yeah, so look, we, we run a centre up here in Dublin City University for high ability students. We also have actually uh, classes in UCC too. So, um, And we'd have about 5,000 students a year and we were just looking at like, you know, the profile or the makeup of the students. And obviously at secondary school, there's a, you know, a higher proportion of female students, as you'd expect, because they perform much better in exams and state exams and things like that. But we were looking at primary school that statistics were really really surprising like at six and seven year olds it's 80 percent males at eight to 12 year old it's 65 to 70 percent males and that just doesn't kind of add up in relation to the fact that exactly as you were saying earlier there's very talented girls out there who are not being put forward either by their teachers or also by their parents in that regard so we're really surprised at that and kind of looking at ways to kind of uh, improve that situation because as you said there's a lot of very smart girls out there who don't seem to be identified and I think it's a it's a shame really because they're not put forward for courses like engineering or science courses or computer courses and I think that's at the detriment of of those industries. Because you've got some girls schools in particular where the subjects that lead into medicine or you know the high level sciences they don't get taught. 
Yeah, yeah, like like that that particularly higher level maths that that was a problem definitely a few years ago in relation to that. But but even it's even the availability or accessibility of subjects is one thing. It's really the prevailing attitudes related. To, it's kind of what you were saying, the boy genius or the professor that we always think of as a male the science and engineering computer boffin, who's always a somebody who is a boy in that regard. And that, that really does influence our choices related to who we nominate for programmes and things like this. Mm. Sure, what was very interesting, actually, Colm, uh, in the context of COVID over the last number of years, and, and we were very conscious here of getting a wide variety of expert voices on every element of the pandemic. The number of women... In Irish universities alone, Irish academia and medicine, who rose to prominence, these were gifted young girls in their time. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, like you look at DCUE, Professor Christine Osher here, yeah. the um, immunologist. A regular on the programme. And- brilliant, absolutely yeah. brilliant. Yeah, and again, a huge advocate for women in STEM in relation to that. But I, I think that, you know, we need to go even further beyond that because like, she's obviously a career role model for somebody later in life. But I think it's like we need to do more stuff for kids, which is more accessible to them at primary school where they see people who, you know, they can aspire towards or they're even nominated or put forward for programs. I think that the problem is, is that, if you have, like, say, and look, this happens in our centre too, so I'm not, I'm not saying we have all the solutions, but, yeah. like, if you, if you have a course in engineering, for example, the chances are 8 to 12, there'll be 17 boys in that class and maybe one girl. And that's very intimidating for that particular girl in the context that maybe the boys might exclude her slightly. Obviously, we wouldn't encourage that to happen. But, you know, we're, we're trying to balance, like, the child's academic development with their social development. And if they're in a situation where... You know, there's 17 boys and she's in, she's the only girl there. She's definitely going to feel a little bit out of place. Whereas the ideal, what we want is nine and nine or mm. in a 20 class, 10 and 10 in, in that context. But we're just not getting the numbers of people, you know, within those categories applying for these courses or being put forward. And I, I really would like to raise awareness for people to, to do that because I think it's, you know, the problem is, is that these things set in early on and then laterally exactly as you're saying the choices then are oh you'll be much better in the humanities or you'll do better in these type of subjects whereas yeah. they equally would be capable of doing perfectly well in computers and engineering style courses you know i guess every parent it's it's only human to think that every parent will believe that their little johnny or little mary is the brightest <laughs> child in the world but there are certain traits that begin to show at a young age yeah, I think that definitely, you know, um, advanced vocabulary is probably the most common one, you know. I think that reading is one thing, but reading is a skill that we learn, you know. Um, advanced vocabulary is an innate skill. It's what we pick up. And that's definitely something. Now, that sometimes can be hard to identify at home because you might be in living in a house where everybody chats and talks all the time. So it's, it doesn't feel out of the ordinary that yeah. your child is very good in relation to that. And girls particularly excel in these areas. Because some Whereas, kids like, call you know, them who are surrounded by adults, you know, they'll pick up at it because kids, they soak up language like a yes. sponge. So if they're surrounded by a lot of adults, they'll start talking like an adult. Yes, and, and this then can cause them problems in school, you know, because they can then say, for example, start school, they'll start using the vocabulary that they're used to using at home and people will look at them and go, I don't understand what they're talking about. And automatically they're in a situation where they can feel isolated. And really what tends to happen is the ones who are good adapters are the ones who 
will just dumb down their vocabulary really and settle in with the other students in that context. Whereas others who will be incapable of doing that will bring further kind of attention onto themselves, but further away from the group. And I think that that can be detrimental to them. So I think that what we're really trying to do is we want everybody to fulfill their potential and feel like it's normal to be able to chat about things that they're interested in with other people who are capable of doing that. But sometimes you need specific environments for that to happen in relation to that. And coming back to where we started with this, the proof of the pudding that girls can be, they're they're far more likely to get top marks in the leaving and huge numbers of them are going into medicine and law, even though they may not have been spotted in the first place. So they're out there, we just need to spot them and nurture them. Yes, and I think though that the problem there is that they're going to medicine and law, which is a good thing, but the problem is they're not going to computer science and engineering and biotechnology and subjects like that where they can make huge impacts in relation to particularly, as you mentioned, COVID and society as it is now. They're not being put forward for those um, courses. It's the high ability on medicine, it's high points, I'll put you into that. You know, you don't want to do engineering, it'll all be boys, for example. So they're the mindsets that we need to change and Exactly. The thing that the worrying trend is that if that's happening at six and seven, where we're completely over dominated by male students in these type of programs, then unfortunately that trend's going to continue unless we look at it um, and intervene better at an earlier age, I think, to normalize the idea that girls should do engineering or computer science courses. Okay, good to speak with you on the opinion line. Dr. Cullum O'Reilly, the director of DCU's Centre for Talented Youth in Ireland. 0818 96 96 96. Coming back to Tory, I feel for that lady. I'm 25 years old. I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis last year. My right foot is badly affected. I was relying on crutches to get anywhere for months. Lost all the muscle in my leg. I've now been on the self-inject stuff for a year. I'm awaiting an ultrasound scan to see if the joint is wearing away. I think more awareness needs to be about this type of arthritis as everyone I talk to, the first thing they say is, isn't that for elderly people? Best of luck to Tory. Yeah, there is a belief out there that arthritis is all about elderly people, but there are many types of arthritis that can bother you. I mean, Tory was in chronic pain in her 20s, she told us earlier on. You know, and I've been banging on about my arthritic neck, which I've had since I was in my early 30s. So, it, you know, you can you don't have to be old to be arthritic. 0818-969696. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Question 9. D-Days associated with what war? World War II. And who wrote the book The Old Man in the Sea? Ah, oh, stop it, Willa. Willa, Willa Wong, really a surname. Willa Ham? Willa, Willa Wonka? Willa Dwarf. Yeah, Willa Wonka. Stop my Willa. We were asking you questions, you weren't waterboarding yet. Stop it, Willa. 
Casey and Ross in the morning with Noel DC Cars Blackpool for Skoda in the city. Now taking orders for 221 and always open 24-7 at noeldc.com. I was talking a few weeks back to Jonathan Jolly about his book, All My Friends Are Invisible, um, which is just, he published it earlier this year. We were chatting about it on the opinion line. So following the news in the last couple of days, I'm quite surprised to learn that the Sacconi Jollies have now deleted their back catalogue of videos. Now, not everything, Jonathan, but what have you deleted? Good morning. Good morning. Um, what have we deleted? Uh, the, the show on YouTube, you know, uh, specifically the uh, 12 years that, uh, that we did. Why? Well, you know, 12 years ago, the internet was a very different place than it is today. You know, it was, uh, it was a happy kind of fun place, you know, and then today it's just, it's not as safe as it was. So I think, you know, of the time when we made the videos, you know, and I said this when I was doing the uh, book tour, you know, I even said it to you, I was like, I wouldn't do YouTube today the same way that we did back then. And then it was kind of playing in my mind a bit about, yeah, why don't we just, why don't we just get rid of it? You know, because it's sitting there and it's indexed and it's categorized and it's just, it's just, I don't know, it's just not the same anymore. Do you feel that some of what you put up was inappropriate now, looking back? No, 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 I'll stand, I don't regret it, you know, I'll stand over what we did, you know, because we did what we did over time. You know, I'm pretty sure you could look back into your career and think of some of the things that you might have done. And so like, you know what, if I did that today, that would not be, that would not age well, you know? And I think of the time, you know, everyone loved what we were doing. And I got kind of exactly everything I said in the video when I took it down, you know, I explained that like, you know, when we were doing this, the world was different. People's appetite was different. You know, we were just kind of going along with what um, mm-hmm. everyone was applauding along with. It was fun. It was definitely a fun experience. I don't think anyone has regrets to it, but everything has a shelf life and everything can become kind of, you know, some things age well and some things don't. Yeah. I'm at the time and you say that look and you you're quite right. At the time nobody else was really doing what you were doing. Now, yeah, and now 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 there is a lot of people doing what we we're doing, you know, yeah. and I think, you know, uh we we, you know, everyone have an opinion now because obviously, you know, we reach such a large audience um you know, our profile was so high. Um, you know, we obviously get blamed for a lot of things, you know, but, you know, I, I think that today, I think that there definitely needs to be a reform in how some people are being um, managed. You know, I think I have a great insight after 14 years of being in this space and being privy to a lot of conversations and having, you know, um, access. And, you know, I've seen a lot of things that I disagreed with. You know, and there were a lot of things myself and Anna disagreed with, but we're just not really, we don't really spill tea on people. We're not really out to try and get people. So we kind of, you know, internalize what was said and then think that's not for us, you know, and then that, you know, and then we just kind of stepped away slowly. Over the last few years, we've been just keep slowly stepping away and away and away. And now we're just completely gone because the space has just changed. But like, like you know? lots of people have moved platforms, Jonathan, like YouTube and now there's TikTok, there's the gram, there's all those things. A lot of people have moved, but they haven't gone and deleted their entire back catalogue. Um, well, you're saying a lot of people, you know, there's not many people who have done what we've done. 
you know, um, leaving content uh, to rest in infinity on on the space of, you know, I feel like, you know, the kids, you know, they, they've got a lot. Like I have a 10-year-old this year, and that's changed my perspective of what children, you know what I mean? Because as you grow, as your children grow, you know, you you know, I've spent 10 years of a parent now, and I'm like, oh, okay, so maybe we should do it this different now. You know, now we should do it this way. And and then in, you know, 15 years, when I got a 15-year-old, I'd be like, oh, right. So I should just do it this way now. You know, it's a constant evolution, but I don't, I'm not going to, you know, um, you know, stand around and be like, oh, what I did was terrible. I'm like, it wasn't. It was of the time. Mm. You know, it was what, what a lot of people were doing. Like you say, you have a 10-year-old a, a this year and and that and a 10-year-old is kind of starting to come to that age where they'll say, Daddy, what were you thinking? I don't think my child is going to say, Daddy, what you're thinking because you don't know my child. And a lot of people don't know saying, our children. I'm not saying I do. I'm, that's, no. I'm stating it as a fact. That's the age at which children No, no, no. You, 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 like, you've got kids, you know. Like, they, yeah, like my eldest child who doesn't really in our content anymore is because she's got to the age where we'd go out somewhere and she'd be like, oh, don't post that. Don't, I don't want to be in a video today. And I'm like, good for you. Good for you to be able to tell me that. So now I know what you want, you know, you know, my, my second oldest child, she expressed what she wanted and how she wanted to be portrayed. And she said, uh, I want to be in the limelight. Can I please make more videos? I love this. And I'm like, okay, we'll carry on, you know? And then the little ones, you know, they're my second batch of kids. So I feel like I, I know better now with those two. I'm like, okay, well, I'm just kind of, you know, not put you guys in media as much, but then, you know, all parents, we talked about this before, you know, all parents make mistakes. You know what I mean? All parents get it wrong. Every child is not, you don't choose your parents' vocation. You know what I mean? You don't know, you know, you're born into a family and that's it. Like, you know, and I had, I had a rough upbringing, but it was nothing to do with the internet, you know? Mm. And, uh, and it's kind of like, well, I, do, I don't know what's right or wrong, you know, but we did it and now we've tried to undo it. Yeah, yeah, because you, you, you do make the point that you say that uh, you explain to them that you delete the videos because they didn't consent to being filmed when they were younger. Did you know? They, they can only understand that yeah. today. They can only understand that but, as they mature. But, but, but the, the, the three and five-year-olds are surely mm. not old enough to consent now. No, that's what we don't do anymore. We haven't done YouTube in like two years, mm. what we used to do. You know, it was just, we were still pittering about with it. You know what I mean? Because I've got four kids to put in school. i got mortgages. i got bills to pay. You know, life is expensive when you got a, a fleet of children. Sure. You know, so, you know, obviously it was, it was a very, very good passive income. You know, it was hard to just switch that off and delete the whole thing. You know, millions of people were watching those shows constantly on repeat you know and it, it was still a great uh, business but i had to just weigh it up of like you know it's 2022 now um the internet's become very toxic um there's so much you know weaponized information out there and i just i feel like i don't feel like it's the safe um venue for that story that it used to be so i'm going to just take it away from the internet you know and and store it here and the kids can have it or the grandkids can have it and you know in like five ten years maybe the kids can spill the tea on what it was like to grow up you know on the internet yeah, maybe and they might like to put them back up for themselves put the stuff back up for themselves i definitely know 
two of my children who really like this business. And I know two of my kids who probably will deny we ever existed, you know? <laughs> oh, deny that you and the, deny the videos ever yeah, existed? They'll, they'll or? Make, well, they'll make up some story. They'll be like, oh, I don't have parents. You oh, know? really? They'll change their name. <laughs> no, I hate it. I'm joking. Okay. Okay. You know. <laughs> Some, <laughs> all right. All right. No. So that's why you've taken them down because they're kind of they were of their time, and and that time yeah, is done. you know they got they staled up and it's like you know, and it's like what I said. You know, would I would I make a family documentary show again like I did? No way. Not today. You know, the internet's it's changed. You know, it was so innocent back then. You know, we were we were being innocent too. We were just it was fun. You know, and now it's just. There's so much um, pressure to uh, cross all the lines. You know, all the things I've talked about before, like all the lines that I'm not willing to cross, there's so much pressure to cross it. And you can't, you know what I mean? You can't stay there unless you cross those lines. And I just felt like, you know, I just, it's not worth it anymore. You know? Are you saying to, I'm, if I'm hearing you wrong, forgive me. I'm half hearing, Jonathan, that the, internet yes it has changed dramatically but that you now need to be so so careful not to bother not not to upset people no more like yeah you're gonna upset people hey you're you're on a public platform you upset people every day yeah i upset people every day you know anyone that opens their mouth on a public platform upset somebody you know that's just that's just the way it works you know but i mean we, you know, I remember, um, you know, being in the U.S. and having meetings and, and people talking about I should ex- do more of certain things and I should do certain things. And I remember just walking out of those meetings going like, hey, that isn't what we do, you know. That's not, And that's when I felt like it, things were changing, mm-hmm. you know. It was big, uh, you know, and I was like, I understand where you're from. While you still have control, you're taking that control. Yeah, yeah, you know, and I'll just take it away now before somebody else you know, has it all. And then suddenly it goes, you know, and that's where we left our management and we kind of, we moved away from agencies. We moved away from everything and we just kind of became ourselves again. And that, you know, it's hard to understand, but we didn't have control of our content for a long time, you know? And then we kind of, once we regained back control of our content this year, you know, after certain things had expired, um, I felt like the first thing I'm going to do now that I own all my IP again is I'm just going to delete it all. It was control you willingly gave away in the first place. Well, hey, you know what I mean? It was, I, I, I was broke for 36 years of my life, you know, working class upbringing, you know, and then one day I started making money about something I was good at. Mm. So wouldn't we all do it? Wouldn't we all try and build a business? You know, there's no shame in it. No, no, no. You know, and then it comes Then they you know a decade later, I look back and I think, you know, it was all right. It was okay what we did, you know, but things have changed, you know, um, People have gotten more aggressive in terms of monetizing in the business. And, you know, and I don't like the way it's going and I don't like the direction it's going. So mm. I think the best option for us is just to bow out now properly. Mm. And then I'm not trying to make a point. Have you or any member of the family, Anna, or any of the kids, Jonathan? And this is a serious question. Have any of you been in, intimidated or approached by people in a negative way? Um, my children never have. Um, but yeah, we, 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 online, like we get harassed online pretty badly, you know, and it's, it's really sad, you know, and that's what I mean. It's sad how the internet has kind of changed, you know, um, you know, but you know, we did what we did, you know, we put ourselves out there, we built our profiles. Um, 
you know, again, what I said, like, I, I don't think I would do that today, you know, and what mm -hmm. we're going to do is we're going to replace the channel with a show with myself and Anna. We're going to talk about, you know, what we've learned over the last 10 years as, as parents and all the mistakes that we've made. And, you know, I feel like, we, you know, we've done our 10 years of parenting and we did it on a public platform, you know, and every time we got it wrong, we paid the public price for getting it wrong, gotcha. you know, and it's. You know, it's it's been hard. You know, it's it's not easy. But then you're not you know, you're not saying people. Oh, is it is it is it hard? You know, because like they just look at, you know, it's easy to look at um you know um online profiles um like the Instagram effect of thinking everything is shiny, you know, when it's not necessarily like that. You know. Yeah, gotcha. All right, Jonathan. Always a pleasure to speak with you, Jonathan Jolie, um, the Ciccone Jolies, of whom we've talked many times over the years. Thousands of videos now deleted from their YouTube channel because, as he said, well, they were of their time. Uh, I wouldn't do them again. I don't regret doing them at the time. But they were of their time and we're taking them down now. Does anybody follow the stuff they do now? They've loads on TikTok and loads on, on Instagram. And I remember at the time when we first talked to Jonathan here in the Opinion Line, you know, uh, he had a huge following and people were very uncomfortable when I began to, to probe him a little bit about what was behind the videos. I wonder, has that changed? 0818 96 96 96. We've had a statement from the Department of Foreign Affairs to do with the situation regarding passports. And we'll get to that next. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96FM. Yeah, the passport office have been back to us with a statement, which we'll get to in a while. It's As, as usual, it contains the golden phrase, uh, we cannot comment on individual cases, which we kind of didn't ask you to anyway, but they always do it. But it's long and unwieldy. So Fiona is kind of distilling it and we'll, uh, we'll catch up with it in a wee while. 0818 96 96 96. Just a couple of comments as well that have come in on other things like corpo voids and things. I'll come to them. I'll come to them. But there's a great event. This Sunday is May Day. The year is galloping like a runaway horse away from us. This Sunday is May Day, 1st of May. And uh, there's a great event to market down at the Black Market, uh, down there at Monaghan Road, from 2 to 5. Music, dance, magic and food and games and prizes and face painting and whatever you're having yourself. It's called Music Heals Ireland. Roy Regan, good morning. Good morning, how are you? Good, you've got some line-up, bud. I do, I do indeed. I stretched out uh, as much as I could stretch and got on to everyone I knew and everyone day I knew, so... Mm. And it kind of escalated from there, you know. Went what's from kind what's of one it for? To the next. It's for uh, the cabin studios in Achnehini. My brother's two kids go there, you know. Um, so we're, we started off raising for them and then I went to the Life Centre. So we said we'd raise money for them and then Annam Crea. So it's for the cabin studios, Cork Life Centre and Annam Crea House. So yeah. all local and kids as well, you know. Yeah, we're hoping to so talk to great. Gary, but he's, he, we can't get through to him on his phone just now. Well, Gary, that's no about No, we, you've looked at the lineup. You've got Miles Gaffney is there, and and uh, yeah. the, Jared Carney, the musician, and Dylan Brickley. I only saw Buskin in town. 
last week and sounding massive. Yeah, that's right. He's unbelievable. Him and Corey go together, you know. So I uh, reached out to the lads and no bothers with them. They met up with me and they, they put up donation pages and they're on about tomorrow night meeting up with a few of the cabin kids when they get a half a day from school and do a small little fundraiser in town with the buskin, you know. I, and give the kids a go on the mic as well and stuff, you know. So that's really Shirley, interesting. Shirley's dancers are there. Uh, MC yeah. Tiny, he's a legend, an absolute legend. Yeah, and he Sparky. is indeed. He's a character. Yeah, that's my nephew. Um, is he? Sparky, that's Ross. That's my see. That's my brother's child and Kara out of Mishnock, the girl, the girl group. That's mm. his his daughter. You know, so we should we should have the CDs there three weeks ago. Mm. Music heel CDs with the twenty five songs in them. We should have had those three weeks ago. We should have them Friday. There was a big, big delay. We'll drive it on. We'll drive it on. Oh, That's so there's a CD Destiny in the middle. There's, there's a charity CD as well. Oh, there's a charity CD as well, and Music Heels with 25 songs on it, uh, all covers and originals from my brother. Right. We found a CD belonged to my brother after he passed, and uh, that's how I started, just giving... I was I made a couple of copies for the family and gave it out to the family, and um, they all said the, the raw talent was unbelievable, because we should make a few of them and sell a few, so we started off... Um, Doing it that way, and I think I because I get a few made up, so I goes I might get a thousand made, and we sell them for ten euros to the cabin, and uh, for the cabin to raise ten thousand, because what he, what Gary does for the cabin there is unbelievable. I know for all the the kids and the family, even the families, he deals with all the mothers. There's anything going on at home, and he chats them all about that stuff, and he really giving back like, yeah. and the, the I, energy he puts into it, you know. I remember when he was unbelievable around, rapping on street corners himself, you know, busking, uh, and what he's gone, <laughs> yeah. what he's gone on to do now is uh, out of the cabin is just. Spectacular. Good luck with it. Open to the public. Open to the public. You can pay on the door. You can pay online. There's a scan bear there. There's music heels Instagram. There's um, there's all social medias across it. Um, the CD should be here Friday. There's a scan bear on them. Just 25 songs. And then there's a song then that his two kids done. And the um, his song, his voice in the background, they took a snippet of his voice or the one of his original songs, so the three of them singing the song. Yeah, right, I got right, your right, back. Right. Remind people again about your brother and um, who might you remember. Yeah, uh, his brother, he was, uh, he was a good kid, grew up, everything was all good, you know what I mean? Great life, life and all the party, musicianly talented, played the guitar, great singer, always in singing competitions and the whole lot, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, he um, he went down the wrong road basically, and it was all caught up with him in the end, you know. And uh, he basically went to sleep one night, never woke up, yeah. you know. So um, and so that's why I went to raise awareness around all that. Like, what was his first name again? Ross Ross O'Connor. Ross O'Connor. So like basically, uh, like he was so into music. I wish he had a cabin when he was younger. And like if it, when you're going down the other road, and it's the Cork Life Centre, what they do for troubled kids or kids getting into any bit of trouble, you know what I mean, in mm. school or maybe their parents or whatever. And I bring yeah. them to school. There's loads of different things, you know. Mm. And uh, the Anglo host then helps people with their heads and people that are suffering from other stuff as well. You know, all broken souls they take in. So I said like I'll have to raise ten thousand for each one of these, you know. So um, that's why the CD is here. I know we've three thousand CDs coming. Hopefully we'll have them Friday. Okay. okay. And uh, it's a ten euro donation, you know. So and you get. To a song with t- a CD with 25 songs in it okay, okay. you know and then as well we have the big fundraiser we have Miles Gaffney we have Emily Seven come from Dublin we've Donna B come from Dublin Brilliant. we've Corey Power and uh, Dylan Brickley they, they have nearly a quarter of a million followers on TikTok between the two sure. Joe Kearney the legend he's a family friend 
with MC Tiny, with Mishnock, with MC Sparky, with Jamie the King. Shirley Lott will give us one or two songs and her, her dance. Oh, yeah, Shirley still singing. I know Shirley teaches dancing. She but is. I, I, was, I remember, I'm showing my age now, I remember when Shirley was the karaoke queen. Well, she was. She was the king of the, king of the place, yeah. That, she was a big household name. She yeah. wasn't. She so wasn't indeed. And I know that you sent us on a song, and we're going to put that up on Twitter as well, so people can get to hear it. Good luck with the event, marking May Day with Music Heals Ireland. There'll be a CD. There's an event down at the Black Market, and the Music Heals Ireland on Facebook, and they're on all the various platforms. Roy, thanks, Roy Regan, and best of luck with the event on Sunday. Come here, cracker. Oh eight one eight ninety six, ninety six ninety six. Here is another passport comment, and then maybe Fiona, you've got that. You've got that uh, that statement from the the DFA. Uh, Hi, my name's Deirdre. I heard the conversation about the passports. I'm waiting for my son's passport since the start of February. We've held this booked for the twentieth May. The status of the tracker online hasn't changed in eleven weeks. The helpline either hang up or they tell you monitor the tracker. Last week, finally, after ringing literally a hundred times, I got through to a helpful lady on the helpline who told me the online tracker is completely inaccurate and to ignore it. She actually told me I told them. She actually told me I sent them too much information. It's now eleven weeks. I have no idea when the passport will arrive. We haven't travelled in more than two and a half years over COVID and mining ourselves and having a baby. Something needs to be done about this. It's an absolute joke. Fiona, the passport office did, or the DFA, now that golden phrase, we can comment on individual cases, which yeah. we never actually asked them to do anyway, but, but what have they said? Yeah, so they have said that they cannot comment on individual cases and they've said that they're currently experiencing a very high volume of applications with 170,000 applications currently in the system. They've issued over 400,000 passports since the beginning of this year and that compares to a total of 634 passports for the whole of last year. Um, And because of the unprecedented demand, they're trying to recruit additional staff. Now, they say that they have recruited more than 300 extra staff since um, June 2021 and they're hoping that uh, this will help to reduce turnaround times and they have said that uh, Passport Online is the fastest way to renew all passports and over 99% of child renewals are issued within 15 working days and 45% of adult renewals are issued with one to two business days but it's different than for first time applications Mm. these take longer, they're more complex and require more time to process Um, And they say that over the past month, the passport service has reduced the turnaround time for first time passports from 40 working days to 30 working days. And this turnaround time applies to fully complete and correct passport applications and begins from the date documents are received by the passport service, not the online registration date. Um, So that's what their official line is, PJ, that they've Mm. reduced the turnaround for first time passports from 40 working days to 30 working days, which is not a reflection of what um, our callers have said this morning. No, nothing like it, show. actually. No, nothing. Like, particularly for new ones, they're kind of they're kind of saying, "Well, it's all because of lockdown." But they were working from home, so what were they doing at home? Uh, well, <laughs> there you go. See. <laughs> but, oh, yeah. no. Well, that's the official statement from them this morning, anyway, PJ. So. <laughs> all, right, all right, Fiona. Thanks. And then it, that's all they say. Uh, they blame it on lockdown. And 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 the 
lockdown problems and the huge rush after lockdown. But they were working from home, so what were they doing? 0818-969696. Another thing happening on Sunday, uh, the May Sunday Festival taking place this weekend in Killa. May Sunday started with music and dancing in Den Bauer nearly 200 years ago. This year we have an exciting family-friendly programme of live performance, workshops, a craft market and open-air dancing from Friday to Monday. All the details are at maysunday.ie. Thanks from Jessica. I know Roy for many years. He's a heart of gold. He does so much good for so many people. And Roy is an amazing person doing great work to help out and change children's lives. The dedication he has to helping other people would blow you away. We need more Roy's in the world. And the passport office stopped processing passports during level five lockdown. I was told it was in the papers. I remember that. Remember that. They took no new applications of any kind or any processes for any kind. They did. But, you know, they could have kind of cleared the decks and prepared for what was coming. They knew they should have known there'd be a tsunami. And now we're in the middle of the tsunami. I applied for passport on the 7th of April. Got it last week says Michael from Tower. Was that a renewal though, Michael, or was it a new one? I did. I, I applied to renew my husband's and my passport Wednesday last. I got mine on Friday and my husband's came this morning. Oh, the electronic renewal is tickety-boo. Absolutely tickety-boo. And glad for you. 0818969696 There's a website called toprated.ie and they did this survey recently on the most Instagrammable beaches in the country and they discovered that Inchidani Beach had been hashtagged 12,564 times in 12 months, which makes it one of the 10 most Instagrammable beaches. That's a very hard thing to say. In the country, Finton, Reardon. Finton, what makes a beach Instagrammable? Good morning. Hi, how are you doing? What makes a beach Instagrammable? Um, uh, I suppose, number one, it has to be a really good place to go. Number two, uh, you're going to be taking pictures there and you're going to be hashtagging it. Um, and in Chidani, it's, <clears throat> as, we, as we all know, we've all been there, it's, it's just stunning, it's amazing. Um, you can get a good photo there, even when it's dull, because yeah. you're, you can get it from the car park, you can get a photo down. You can look at all the, the surfers from up high as well, you can just get absolute stunning photos. But yeah, so um, the hashtag, it's, it's a, when it comes to, you know, taking photos, uh, you, know, you know, Instagram and a hashtag, that's the big correlation there. You could, um, you know, uh, do a survey on, you know, check-ins or, or things like that. But when it comes to Instagram and, and taking photos, hashtag is the big thing. Yeah. The most Instagrammed in the country for the whole year was a place called Silverstrand, which is in, in Donegal. Like, that had something like 64,000 hashtags. No, in, in, no, I wouldn't say in, in the year, like, you'd be looking at that, you know, over quite quite, quite a long bit of time. Um, you wouldn't be looking over just the 12, 12, over the last 12 months. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's mad when you, when you look at some of the other beaches around Ireland, the, the hashtags. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just absolutely crazy. Kerry does really well with, with Glen Bay and Banna and um, what was the other one? Oh, Inch. You know, they're really well too. 
Yeah, inch, inch, yeah, it's really, really good too. Um, like, like they're all, they're all the top tourist, tourist areas as well. Like, yeah. you know, so it's, um, yeah, it, it's, it, it's, it's crazy. Mm. Um, like, Inch Beach, uh, you know, has twenty six thousand. Uh, you know, Strand Hill, sixty one thousand. Sixty one thousand. It's mad. It's absolutely yeah. Mad. It's crazy. Yeah, mad. yeah, right. yeah. Okay, listen. It's good to see. And there's, we'll all be, if if you search them on Instagram, then you see search them by hashtag. You'll find all the pictures that they are gorgeous. Thank you for that, Fintan. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Quick one for you. Premier League live back this Saturday at 96fm.ie with Trevor Welsh powered by Talk Sport. The lineup is as follows. Live coverage Newcastle v Liverpool 12.30 Aston Villa v Norwich at 3 Leeds against Man City at 5.30. Those are the commentaries this weekend. The Premier League live online with Now. Stream live Premier League action with the Now Sports or Sports Extra membership. And you're listening Saturday on the Cork's 96fm app or going to 96fm.ie. Lots and lots of love out there for Roy. Absolutely. Uh, we'll come back to him tomorrow. 0818 96 96 96 stays open for a little while, but that's it. We're done. The programme edited by Fiona Corcoran, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. We'll see you tomorrow just after nine. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.